music uh, signals the start of the gardening programme for another Saturday morning. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning. Good morning. I'm morning? good. Can't even get good. the words out. <laughs> I'm great this morning. Absolutely great. Back to a little bit of damp weather, but hey... Mm. You know. Is that is that going to ah, be no, it's a good. challenge it's good. for some of the weekend? Ah, no, it's good. And and I think into next week, li- listening to the forecast, it's going to be quite cold. Yes. Down to two degrees. Yep. So frosty nights. So anybody out there with any tender plants, maybe camellias coming into flower, magnolias coming into flower, any early plants that are coming into bloom after the two or three weeks of, of really nice weather, should consider maybe putting a little bit of fleece over them just to protect them. Or any tender plants you might have, if you have early tomatoes or early bedding plants in your tunnel or greenhouse, um, frost can penetrate those structures so I do put a bit of the garden fleece which you can leave on for a couple of days mm. it's a very light material like tissue paper but when you put it onto the plants the light gets through but the frost won't penetrate through the the uh, garden fleece so put a couple of layers of that on any tender plants in your greenhouse tunnel or uh, out in the garden and that will mm-hmm. just protect them from the frost we're going to get next week Okay, it's like putting a little blanket around it is them for indeed. a That's couple of days That's exactly too. what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Because, this, you know, with the good weather for the last couple of weeks, the spring has come very early. There's lots of plants in early bloom and, uh, you know, they can be damaged, particularly when we get the rainfall and the frost together. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a combination that can do some damage, particularly on early flowering plants. So just keep an eye on that. But apart from that, hey, it's, it's, it's March. It's, it's March. And what else that, can we expect? Yeah, exactly. And also, of course, it's Mother's Day weekend. It is, absolutely. Yeah. Tomorrow, Mother's Day, one of the, the great days of, of the year. Um, so and and po- plants, of course, are very popular. Really, really popular. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about many of the really early flowering mm. plants, like camellias, which I mentioned already, which are available in a whole range of different colours, are a great Mother's Day plant because they flower. Believe it or not, on every Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> so I know and we're not we're not we're not detracting from uh, mm. the business of the florists, etc. Because I know uh, that's uh, traditionally a big day uh, for them as well. Of course. Uh, but uh, it's equally as pleasing to give a plant as, as it is. Isn't to it? The because bouquet, I mean, yeah. it's a living gift, yeah. and it's something that, and particularly, I like to think of plants that maybe will flower. Uh, you know, Mother's Day can change a little bit every year. Is it what is it? Is it the first Sunday in March or the whatever it is? Anyway, it, it kind of jumps around. Yeah, it does. Each a bit year. Yeah, it's a bit but, like Easter. Or, yeah, but yeah. plants like magnolias and camellias will always flowers at this time of year. It's always a plant plants that we feature uh, on Mother's Day. Um, so uh, you know, it's any time during March those plants will are in bloom and will continue to flower right through into April. So they're good choices if you want something that's going to be living and going to lasting. And again, it's it's ideal conditions for planting many of those plants but many of the indoor plants a lovely plant called clivia which is coming into flower at the moment it's in the uh, amaryllis family people will know the amaryllis with the big big flower mm-hmm. but the clivia is smaller flower strap like foliage just as something a little bit more exotic something unusual for indoor and it's a particularly good plant that actually grows in shade so if you have a shaded okay. spot you know, if your mam has a shaded spot in the, in the <laughs> house somewhere it's a plant that actually tolerates shade extremely well but even early flowering hydrangeas the nurseries have brought hydrangeas into flower early for Mother's Day so you get them in bloom at this time of year keep them indoors for a couple of weeks until the first week of May and then plant them out of doors and they grow happily out of doors then every year after that okay. so there are many good garden plants um, that can be used for, for Mother's Day that give colour now 
but but every year after that. Okay, and it's not always necessarily about colour either, because I just noticed that there was a question in earlier. Now I know we're not coming to questions yet, just yet. But seeing as we're talking about Mother's Day, it was relating to that. Um, and a lovely text that somebody, their daughter, just had their first baby, and they were moving into a new house oh, lovely, with a fair yeah. sized garden, and they were wondering about a tree, maybe or a shrub, to give her for Mother's Day that they could plant outside and that great, would be easy idea. to grow then, and obviously would mark this particular occasion yeah. for them. Well, it's first of all, it's it's a great time of year for planting, uh, particularly after the, the two or three weeks of dry, dry weather and now this moisture, soil conditions would be perfect for putting trees, shrubs, plants in general into the garden, but particularly trees. This is a really good time. They're, they're just coming into growth now, so they'll really just kick off now. So if it's a medium-sized garden, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of plants like liquid amber, which is a beautiful tree. It's coming into leaf very, very soon. Uh, lovely maple-like leaves right throughout the summer period, which turn a crimson uh, reddish scarlet colour through the autumn and early winter period. Liquid amber, very easy tree to go grow, particularly if this if the daughter is you know maybe not used to gardening or it's their first garden. It's a very simple, easy plant to grow, but a very spectacular tree. So that's one for me. Liquid amber. Mm-hmm. It's not planted enough here. You see it a lot in northern North America, Canada, because of the beautiful autumn colour uh, it produces. But it, it grows equally as well here in, in Ireland. Silver birch are lovely at mm. the moment. Betula Giacomontia in particular produces a lovely white bark and it's an, again a very easy tree to grow. It'll grow in any type of soil. Um, and really gives year-round colour. If you want something with a bit of spring colour, of course, many of the early cherries have come into flower, the the small flowering cherries. So, you know, if you want instant colour at the moment, they'd be certainly a choice. Or you could also consider the magnolia that I talked about. That needs a little bit more shelter. Um, maybe add a little bit of ericaceous compost when you're planting it. But it'd be a lovely plant as well. It won't grow very big. The magnolia stellata will grow to about six or seven feet. So it's quite a nice plant for a corner area or maybe for a large pot in the garden. And again, it'll flower this time every year. Um, and of course, the camellias that I talked about earlier, they, any of those. So liquid amber, silver birch, any of the early flowering cherries will be lovely. Uh, magnolias, camellias, any of those will, will, will do very well. Okay, so lots and lots of options yeah. for me, Bill. And if you, if and a you, good time to yeah. plant, a, good, a very you, good time to if, plant. If you are, uh, if you are a little confused with all of that, do pop into your garden centre and exactly, all, uh, and the, people will advise. Exactly, garden centres yeah. have been stocking plants for the last number of weeks, particularly with the good weather. It's a very good time to choose plants and, and to see them, uh, you know, just coming into leaf or just before they come into leaf. So it's a good time to visit. Good. Well, I'm, I expect it to bring be your a mammy. very busy weekend. And bring your mammy. <laughs> <laughs> and bring your mammy, exactly. Um, now, last week we um, were giving away uh, potatoes. potatoes yeah. yeah, so that, that went very well. Fantastic response. I Brilliant. mean, the guys were inundated. So people are really going back to growing uh, growing their, their vegetables and, and so on. Great interest. And I suppose, you know, I think I was saying last week that the price of potatoes in particular, because of the wet summer mm. last year, the farmers found it difficult to harvest potatoes. So you're finding potatoes like roosters quite expensive to buy at this time of year. So, you know, why not give give it a go and, and grow some yourselves? And the prize we gave away last week was some potatoes, particularly varieties that I uh, think are particularly suited to the Irish palate, like, mm. like British Queens, like Orla, uh, Sharps Express and so on. Um, and Satanta, which is a really good one. But we also gave away some potato pots to make it easy some compost and some fertiliser. So we had five winners. Terrific response to the whole show. So we're going to check in with those winners Great. in about three weeks' time okay. just to see how they got on. Uh, but I can tell you that they'll get a bumper crop from about the first week of July right through to um, the end of August. Um, you know, they'll, they'll have potatoes. So we'll check back with those 
uh, with those winners. But a, a, a tremendous bond. I was just overwhelmed with the amount of interest uh, with people growing potatoes and going back to that. Okay, and when can we expect, when would they expect to see stalks coming through then? Well, if, if, the first thing to do with the potatoes is to chit them, is to put them, take them out of their bags, mm. put them on a tray, mm. somewhere in a bright location on a windowsill, indoors. So if you have a, a shed, uh, a tunnel, um, you know, an airy indoors, so a bright, a bright shelf for windowsill, sit them there for about two weeks. Um, at that stage, the, the the chit or they produce little buds or little okay, eyes. That's a so new you, word for me now. Yeah, there you go. So it's a sprout that comes on the potato. It just reacts. It's like the, the way they sprout in the bags when you stick them into your your cupboard or your larder. The reason you put them into light is that you don't want the soft white little shoots. You want a strong, sturdy, purple little bud coming off the plant. So two weeks. And then at that stage, it's just simply a matter of putting the compost into the, uh, mixing the compost and fertilizer together, putting it into the container, put in about three to four potato tubers in the first layer, put another six inch layer of compost on top of that, and then put a second layer of potatoes and then just fill it up right up to the very top with compost. Now you can, if you wish, put some fast maturing, say salad plants, say like something like lettuce, mm-hmm. plant that into the top of the pot Right. So you've got two layers of potatoes yes. and then you can plant the very top of the pot with three or four or five heads of cabbage. So by the time the potatoes come through... The cabbage will the, have... Or the, the, the lettuce will have actually... It'll be of a reasonable spi- size that you can start to use. Okay. So it's a way of using that extra layer. So it's just maximising exactly. your, 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 your growing leaving. space. Exactly. But you'll be quite surprised. I mean, uh, you know, again, it'll depend on the weather. It'll depend on where you sit them. If you were lucky enough to have a conservatory or porch or tunnel, they'll obviously going to grow an awful lot faster. If you have a nice sheltered part in the garden, they're going to grow fast there. So I would expect them to be peeping through the soil mm-hmm. about the first or second week of May. Okay, so we'll be checking back in with yeah. people to see how and they're then, getting on. And after that, it really just is simply keeping them well watered yeah. and then harvesting your crop about the first or second week of July. Okay. I know there are a number of questions have been coming in regarding potatoes, so I hope all of you it's folks were listening were listening to that. It's that time and of year. Yeah, definitely. But yes, that interest in potatoes is uh, undeniable, I think, at the moment. And uh, not to be outdone, we have another giveaway this week. We have indeed. This week, I was talking about baby plants last week. You mm-hmm. know the little baby plants that yes, are in the geraniums? Yeah. So they're, they're just to explain to listeners, they're little baby plants which were sown from seed about four weeks ago. Things like geraniums, petunias, begonias, busy lizzies, lobelias, marigolds, all of those uh, summer bedding plants that we'd associate with hanging baskets, window boxes. They're available at the moment as small baby plants. So what we want to do is invite schools to ring us or teachers Lovely. to ring us. Um, so the number, I better give the number out mm-hmm, first. The do. number is 09490 So we're looking for some teachers or or uh, some or even Montessori schools, anyone involved with children, that we want children to grow these plants. So the little punnet gives you about 20 plants. They're small individual plugs. You simply take them out of the container. They're quite sturdy, so children will have no problem handling them and they won't damage them. They're, they're not uh, very tender, so they're quite robust. Uh, the plants are four weeks old. You simply take them, put them into a, a small three-inch pot, sit them on a windowsill, keep them watered for a couple of weeks, give them an odd occasional feed, and that will give you a beautiful geranium about the first week of, of June, ready to plant out into the garden. Lovely. So we're looking for teachers or people involved with children, Montessori schools, to ring 09490-31435. We'll give a pack, twi- a pack of 20 plants, plus the pots, plus the compost, plus the fertiliser that you're going to need. That'll be delivered to your school uh, next week 
and uh, we're looking for five winners and again we want people that will come on air and in a couple of weeks time tell us how the children got on on planting them so they're a nice easy you know don't be worried about the small plants they're quite robust at this stage they're very easy to pot on and you'll be quite surprised how quickly they'll grow in a classroom situation within a month the plants will have trebled in size okay, so, so the children will see the growth period uh, to be very clear to them, very evident Great. to them how they're, how they're getting on. And they'll probably be the odd disaster as well, well don't you know? that's gardening, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? So that's we'll have, gardening, yes. We'll have a few replacement plants in okay. the background just in case. Okay. Now, also, um, just to recap on the Osmo and the, I suppose, the moss is still very much... Yeah, how did uh, you get on? Well, I had, um, so far, it's really good, actually, um, prompted by the lime and the Osmo to tackle mow on the grass maybe earlier than I would normally. Good. So the dry, sunny afternoon last Sunday, pulled out the lawnmower. I have to be honest, the fingers were tiny, kind of crossed because I have a lawnmower that's really, really old. I'd say it's nearly as old as myself. Um, and it has come, I think it's a third generation where it's been passed on. It's been inherited over nice. the years. Okay. But anyway, I knew it was in, in need of a service and I kind of said, ah, oh, real chance it and see does it start. And lo and behold, it did after there you two go. pulls. There yeah, you so go. <laughs> I had no excuses after that. So we mowed and uh, tied up and I applied my dressing of uh, lime pellets. Good. So now ready for the Osmo. And the Osmo. I took a photograph. Oh great, yeah, that's fantastic. Because I, because I have to be honest, there is an awful lot of moss in the right. lawn when I did actually start to look at it properly. Um, and you could really see it coming off in the lawnmower. So I said, well, here's a good maybe example to see how good this stuff is. We'll, uh, no pressure now. Uh, we So I took a before photograph and hopefully, I don't know how long, a couple of weeks, four weeks, isn't that yeah, what well, we kind of said? Well, you did the right thing. The, the, first, mm. the first step is to cut the lawn to actually mow it back. It gives you an indication how yeah. much moss is there. It also, by trimming the lawn, it stimulates the grass to start growing. It's like cutting the branch of a tree once you cut it it initiates the plant to start to produce two mm. or three side stems and grass is no different once you start to trim it you're starting to encourage it to come kick it back into growth again so that was the first thing the lime pellets are really put on to sweeten up the soil to bring up the ph level from an acidy uh, you know, a nasty type mm. of soil to to a uh, to a higher pH, which moss dislikes. So right. moss dislikes having lime uh, put around it. Lime in itself won't isn't strong enough to kill it, yes. but it it brings up the pH level or the lime level. The simple way we describe yeah. it, it sweetens the soil. soil. Okay, isn't that a nice way to describe That's it? That's a lovely way of describing so it. So you you do that. That goes on for a week. So you did the right thing. Uh, so this weekend you could consider uh, putting on the Osmo moss remover. It doesn't matter that it's raining. Or that it's going to be very cold. Or tomorrow. that it's going to be going to go, be, going to be very cold because the Osmo works in a different way. Okay. It works by um, it, it, there's a particular ingredient in it that kills the roots of moss, so it kills from the root upwards. upwards so a day like today, if you feel inclined, or the next re, you know reasonably dry day, yeah. go out and put the Osmo on. The main thing is that you apply it over the 200 square yards. Yep. Apply it evenly. And it's going to take about two weeks before you see the moss going yellow and fading away. Okay. Well. So from the root up, it'll all, the, the osmo will also encourage new growth. So you're going to get a lovely, rich green colour without it forcing the growth. Okay. So the fact that you've mowed it is great. That's going to naturally initiate the grass to start growing but the feed will also then green it up a lovely rich green colour and help to fill in those areas that the moss is going to leave bare. There's lots of areas so that's yeah, going to be good. And if, and if it's very you know if you've got yeah. if there are very big patches obviously they're going to need some reseeding so we could look at that you know once the moss has died okay. we can have a look at that and that we will be coming into what about the end of March at that stage which is an ideal time yeah. for reseeding or doing just repatching areas yeah, yeah. Okay. The temperatures will be ideal for the grass to germinate 
terminated at that stage. Okay, so well, we'll have a look at that. Maybe you'll send me on the pictures and we'll stick yeah, them up on the I website. Yeah, I absolutely will, yeah. And yeah. maybe we'll take one once every one or two weeks and yeah. we can maybe have a look. See a I just, yeah, because I just said, all right, let's see, as I am actually tackling this with gusto this year, let's see how we get on and yeah. maybe kind of Well, I think you're the right you're, you're, you're the right client for God to, to do it because... <laughs> You know. I'm slightly under pressure now as well. well like, they, well, I have to see the thing through to the end. That's it. But, it, but it'll also be interesting to see um, how easy it was for you to, to do it. What was, yeah. the, what was the result? Yeah. And Because and, you know. let me tell you, folks, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And Boric is not I didn't laughing. I say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. I, I, you know, I know my limitations in life. And believe me, when it comes to the garden, I'm a bit limited, to say the very least. Okay, so... so we'll um, get to the questions. Yeah, we, we're going to take a very quick break, first of all. And we're going to start coming to people's questions. So as uh, Patsy has taken phone calls first today. Uh, it's 0818 If you're texting us, of which there are loads in already, it's 087 41 with thanks to C and C Cellular. We're switching your landlines to Vodafone. is easy at any of their nine stores across the region. Right, quick break and back with your questions after these. all sorts of questions uh, everything and anything under the sun so we're going to start with blueberry plants this morning yeah, yeah. Okay. okay somebody ha- would like information on blueberry plants please Porek they just got them for the first time are they better in a tunnel or outdoors well, better, better outdoors, first of all. Blueberries are related to the old bilberry, the bilberry that used to grow around um, lake areas, and in particular it grows in acid soils. The first thing with blueberries is they need an acid soil. Um, and to do that, you need to add in some ericaceous compost or rotten manure, if you can get your hands in some old cattle manure or horse manure, is acidic by nature, so digging that into the soil. Blueberries are a lifetime plant. So, you know, once you plant them, you'll have them, they'll outlive ourselves. So think 50 years, um, space them certainly anything up to four to five feet apart, give them plenty of space. So prepare the soil well, add in some ericaceous compost, add in some rotten manure if you can get it. If you can it, you can buy it in bags as, as farmyard manure. Mm-hmm. Dig that in because they like that acidy soil. Space them four to five feet apart. You'll generally need about six to eight plants to get good pickings from because blueberries fruit differently to many fruiting plants. You know, strawberries come into fruit all in one go. Raspberries mm. within a couple of weeks are generally fruiting all at one go. Apples tend to produce all their apples all in one go. So you're picking over a two or three week period. With blueberries, they'll be coming into flower very shortly, but the flowers and the fruit form at different stages. So you'll actually be picking the fruit from about the 1st of June right through or anything up to early September, depending on the variety. So it's a so you cannot just go out and pick a, a whole load from one bush. Mm. So for that reason, you need five, six, maybe up to eight plants, depending on how much cooking you're going to use. And you pick over a long period then. They don't grow terribly high, about four feet in height, depending again, there are different varieties of blueberries. You can do some pruning with them. And they're actually a very attractive shrub. So they're more of a shrub then a fruiting, look at them as a fruiting shrub. So you can actually plant them Mm. in with other shrubs if you wish. You don't have to have a blueberry patch or an area. The bees will work through other shrubs to pollinate them and bees love blueberry flowers. Um, So prepare the soil well, space them four or five feet apart. Think of them as a long-term fruiting 
crop. They're well worth growing. Absolutely well worth growing. They're easy to grow. They like the west of Ireland conditions, like Good. the wild bilberry. Yeah. The soil does need to be acid. And you and every year if you're feeding them, something like um, an ericaceous feed that we, we would use on rhododendrons or um, heathers is ideal. So when you go to your local garden centre, ask them for uh, an ericaceous feed or a feed that rhododendrons like. And that's what's to apply around your blueberries. Okay. So well worth growing. Uh, don't put them in the tunnel. Use your tunnel for your tomatoes and, and other things. And, and they're totally hardy out of doors. They grow, go a beautiful reddish scarlet colour, the plant itself in autumn, like a Virginia creeper. Oh, right. Very stunning okay. in, in the autumn period. And very easy to grow. Don't really suffer pests and diseases. Totally frost hardy. What more can I say? Okay. Do the birds like the blueberries? Not particularly. They right. don't seem to. Because, yeah. um, you know, that can be a problem sometimes absolutely. with fruiting. And they seem to go for the brighter red. You know, they seem, even though mm. they, they, oh yeah, they tell me that birds don't see blue. That's why slugs, <laughs> that's really? why, well, that's why slug pellets are blue. Because, really? Yeah, there you go. There you go. So that's they don't see anything at all? Well, they do. No, they see other colours. They don't yeah, see no, blue. Yeah, no, but okay. So well, like look at that's what they tell me. They don't see blue. <laughs> but the fact that the blueberries, um, because you're you're they're not you're not getting a big crop all at one go like blackcurrants and gooseberries. Yeah. Uh, the birds, you know, they they, they, they may take the odd one, but right. it wouldn't be a big problem. No, with I suppose yeah, you know, because some fruits like like strawberries, yeah, like the next raspberries. thing is they're in fruit Absolutely. and it's 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 attack of whatever, yeah. and the next thing in two days they're all gone. Yeah. Now. Blueberries, by their nature, and because they're shrubby, mm. they're if you if you do have to net them, if you have to put some netting, if, if you find that the crows mm. or whatever are picking them, then they're easy to net. Right. But generally, it's not a problem. Okay, it's no, not yeah. a problem. No, no, they're more a blackish color than blue, blue. to be honest. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so the bread, but they are worth growing. Yeah, oh. definitely, definitely. Well, and of course, they are delicious, and they're very healthy yeah, for you as are, well. Yeah. Now, somebody planted some shrubs last year and they're wondering, should they spray them with Premazer 50? Well, as long as the... the again, just to, to remind us of what Premazer is, uh, it, it seems to be popping up every week. Yeah, it's very good. <clears throat> well, it's the time of year to be applying it. So, a Premazer is a, is a um, residual weed killer, which means that when you apply it to the soil, it stops weeds from growing. So, it's ideal on shrub beds, rose beds, around your fruit beds, under hedges, that type of okay. thing. Ideally, the plants need to be in the ground for a year before you apply it. Now, if you plant it, say, up to, say, the spring of last year, mm. April, May, June of last year, then yes, I, I would have no hesitation in using the premazer. If it was late autumn, winter or spring of this year, I would leave it until next year. So depending on when the listener planted them, they did say they planted them last year. So if they're up to planted before June or July of last year, then I'd have no problem recommending putting them on the premazer. What to do is to clean the soil off, first of all, do any pruning you have to do with the shrubs, do any feeding, feed the shrubs, and then and clean off the bed, take off any old bits of leaves or whatever. So tidy up the bed, leave it as as neat and tidy as, as uh, you want it to look. Yeah. You put the premazer on then. It doesn't matter if the premazer hits an odd bit of foliage or stem of the shrubs, it won't damage them. The main thing is to apply it to the soil, and then once it gets on in contact with the soil, any weed seeds that comes in contact with it, it stops it from germinating. So it will actually keep the bed looking as you have it today. It'll keep it weed free like that for the rest of the year. Okay. Now, somebody would love to grow some tomato plants in a okay, basket or a large pot and they're wondering, is there any low growing types that are suitable and how do you care for them? There, there are indeed. Um, it's You can still sow tomatoes from seed. I, I, ideally, they should be sown in January to get an early crop. Plants will be coming available. They're probably available actually now at the moment. So from now on, you'll get plants in your local garden centres. If you want small, neat varieties, there's one called Tumbler 
and as the name suggests it tumbles out of uh, baskets, containers. It's ideal say for putting into a hanging basket. Mm-hmm. One plant will fill an entire hanging basket and there's none of the side, taking out the side shoots and nicking, nipping off the lower leaves that we have with traditional tomato growing. Right. You just plant it into the basket, hang it up and let it do its own thing. Okay. And it produces quite nice size uh, fruit. They're not as big as, as a traditional tomato, but not as small as the cherry tomato. So it's somewhere so in between. between all like yeah. Um, you know, kind of marble, not mm. a bigger marble. They're, they're ping pong ball. Ping pong ball size, <laughs> yeah. Coming up to that, that sort of size. So that's one called tumbler. Another nice, neat variety is one called totem, which grows like a totem pole. It only grows about 18 inches to two feet. Um, it's quite a neat variety. Again, a very good one for a pot or container, ideal for growing on a on a windowsill. So both of those varieties would be ideal. Okay. Now, I know we were talking about potatoes there, but maybe just to follow on question on some of the stuff we touched on, what about a potato that is slug resistant? Yeah. And somebody would like to know about seed sowing indoors. Do you have to cover them with brown paper and how do, how does it ta- long does it take, I think, to germinate? It's Tom. Yeah. Well, seed sowing, no. I, I would advise not covering with brown paper. I mean, you can, but the trouble is that if they germinate and you're excluding the light from the from the seed, which helps to get them to germinate faster. The problem is if you, if they're left covered with brown paper, uh, they tend to go very leggy, they go yellow and they tend to fall over. My advice really is when you're sowing seed of any, be it tomato seed or vegetable seed or uh, flower seed indoors, is to, to water the compost reasonably well, sow the seed, cover with a light bit of perlite or compost and then cover the top with some cling film and leave it on a bright windowsill to germinate. So leave the light uh, to do the germination because as soon as the seed germinates then it's in full light and you get nice neat compact plants you just whip off the the cling film once you see the germination taking place you see the seeds popping up so don't put the brown paper over them in terms of the potatoes there there are varieties that are um blight resistant and really what you're looking for are thick skinned uh, potato. So Golden Wonder, funny right. enough, is a very good one. Um, Exona, the, the Sapro Mira and Sapro Exona, which are two very good varieties. I, I haven't actually mentioned those in the last number of weeks. They're a Hungarian variety um, that have come on the market probably now. They're probably five or six years in the market now, but they're particularly blight resistant. Um, very good potatoes, very good croppers. They're main crop varieties. Exona is probably more flowery. It's a nice flowery potato, a bit like a rooster potato, but a very big cropper. It's red also. So look for that one. Sapra, uh, Sapra Exona and Sapra Mira are two very good ones. Uh, Golden Wonders. Ramona is another quite good one that's uh, blight resistant, or sorry, slug resistant. Um, and the first two are blight resistant as well as being slug resistant. Okay. So Sapra Mira, Sapra Exona, uh, Golden Wonders and Ramona would be four good good slug resistant varieties. Okay, good options there. So Tom? King Edward too tends yeah. to be quite good as well. Um, quite good to... to Avoiding, Avoid. you might get a small amount of slug yeah. damage. The mm-hmm. other thing you'll, you'll notice if if slugs are a problem in the garden is to grow early varieties like Orla, Sharps Express, Home Guard, Duke of York. They tend to escape any slug damage. It tends to be more pre- prevalent on uh, main crop varieties and particularly in wet summers. Okay, so hopefully we're hoping for a really dry we summer and that the one. slug population is yeah. going to be at a minimum this yeah. year because they had an absolute field day I think last sure year. Did. Uh, now here is somebody after my own heart with a question on raised beds. They've three raised beds, Porrick. Okay. The dread mm. starting work on them. <laughs> Spun stalks grow three foot tall. Carrots can end up destroyed. Beetroot fail as do the turnips. They're wondering can they have a rule of thumb for manure? The soil is heavy so they're wondering can they mix common sand through it? Uh, they put in compost last compost last year. Good. 
need they go on? <laughs> right. okay. We get the yeah, message. Well, well, it's 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 the time of year to get stuck into the the uh, raised beds yeah. and the vegetable garden in general. And I suppose the first thing to do is to to you know get rid of any weeds that might be there, hold them off, get rid of them, um, dig over the soil because the frost actually that we're going to get over the next few days is great for breaking up soil and and um, you know particularly if you dig it and leave it in a rough state, the frost breaks it down to a nice tilth or a nice kind of a crumb structure. Sand is a great idea. I mean, the problem here is obviously the nature of the soil. It's very heavy. Mm. So things like carrots and root crops in general find it very difficult to grow in heavy soil. And they tend to retain a lot of moisture as well, which is not good. So the addition of sand, good sharp builder sand. You want a kind of a nice gritty sand, nearly bordering on a pebble. That kind of a good right. gritty. So the more gritty the sand, the better. Or even light, very small pebbles will be very good to dig into the soil. So you literally chuck it on top of the soil, dig it in to a depth of about 12, maybe 15 inches incorporate into the soil. That'll give it very good structure. It'll give it very good drainage. And you'll find plants like carrots will grow an awful lot better, straighter, better, bigger, uh, with, a, with a more free draining, um, sandy, gravelly type soil. They've already added some compost. So mm. really, it's a matter of just preparing the soil. Dig it over now. Let the frost hit it for a couple of days. Add in the sand into the soil and then put on a granulated feed, um, something like Vitex, Q4 is very good for vegetables. It's a very good broad-spectrum uh, fertiliser, loved by cabbage, root crops, potatoes, and so on. I would generally use the raised bed for faster maturing. You know, things like the carrots would be fine, mm. salad crops in particular, right. um, you know, cabbages like hispe and greyhound that, that grow very quickly. So use your raised bed. Things like potatoes will fill it up very quickly. They're very space demanding. Mm. So they're better out in the garden somewhere or, you know, you, know yeah. you can grow them in pots like I was talking about earlier. But, but in a raised bed, they tend to fill it very quickly. So you're not getting bang for your buck. And, the, and with potatoes, you've got such a long growing period as well. You're right. planting now and you're not harvesting till June or July whereas a lot of the salad crops you'll be picking you'd have a couple of pickings taking in that period so I would keep my raised bed to salad crops in particular lettuce onions radish beetroot um, fast maturing cabbages um, you know that kind of products that are going to give you a quick return onions um, garlic uh, you know that, that you'll fit a lot in in a very small right. space okay good but yeah, the addition of the sand is a good idea and the, the Vitex Q4 is an excellent fertiliser for vegetables. If you're growing them in pots or, or in raised beds or in the open ground, it's ideal. Give them a good start. Yeah. Uh, rhubarb, uh, which is quite topical. I'm hoping to make a rhubarb crumble for Mother's Day tomorrow Sounds myself. Good. Sounds good. Uh, growing nicely in this person's house. It's about six inches high. They're wondering what can they feed it with to push it on. Yeah, well, again, remember with rhubarb, what are you eating? You're eating the, you're, you're harvesting the leaves and stems. You want a high nitrogen feed to boost it on, to give it a good a good spurt of growth. So again, um, if it's a large area, there's actually Osmo do a very good um, fertiliser called Pro 6, which is very good for vegetables if you've got a big area. It's, it's sold in a purple bag, granulated feed, very, very good, high uh, degree of, or, of organic matter in it. Very good for um, green vegetables like cabbages, but also excellent for rhubarb. Um, you, if it's a small patch, then use the Vitex Q4. You'll find that equally as good in a, in a small area.
Okay. Now, somebody's wondering about rocket and watercress. They sowed them from seed many times and they never grew. Yeah. Do you sell plants in Castlebar? Well, watercress is sown, what you're buying... Solely from seed. Yeah, well, you're so, you're, what you're, you're eating are the little seedlings um, and it's a very oh, yeah, easy... Little. Yeah, it's a little watercress so, yeah. and they'll grow in water so you, you can sow them in kind of shallow trays, mm. put water into them, put in the seed. Within, within a couple of days, the watercress starts to um, germinate. So you might be just leaving it too long uh, harvested when it's quite small um, with watercress. Rocket will be available, uh, both it's available from the seed at the moment, but in plants it'll be available from the end of March, the first week of April onwards. But many of the garden herbs, um, they're actually available now, particularly okay. the hardier varieties like parsley, uh, thyme, sage, rosemary for planting out. It's okay. a good time to do it. Perfect. We're going to take another quick little break. We still have lots more to come, so stay with us. Uh, you're very welcome back. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. On Saturday, it is the 9th of March. Porik, uh, somebody has got a question here on a beech tree now. Bear with me because it actually was quite a long question and I think there was four parts to this text. So we'll try and get them all together in one go. It, it, in relation to a beech hedge, uh, let me just scroll back up here. We'll get it for you now. Uh, this person, they bought um, a beech hedge last year and they sowed it and some of the hedging failed. Okay. So there we go. We, we sowed a green beech hedge last year. About 100 plants died. Uh, this year there are about 60 with any copper leaf. So they're just wondering what the problem might be. Altogether they sowed 400. They bought replacements this year. Wondering would they just have been bad quality plants? Now they do say that their garden has been waterlogged in one area only and they're wondering would this have any effect on them? It is a double hedge that they've sown. Good. So if some are missing in between, will it eventually grow into thick hedge uh, or will there be obvious spaces? Well the, well, the first thing to mention about beech is it dislikes waterlogging. Okay. It dislikes wetness and in, in ground that holds water and I, okay it was an exceptionally wet autumn and winter but what happens is that the, 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 the water squeezes the oxygen away from the roots of, of the beech and the beech the roots literally just die and if most of the uh, the the deaths of plants were in that wet area. That's that's really the cause. Now, that's going to happen again. So by putting in new replacements without addressing the drainage, the, correct, you're going to have the problem again. And even if the plants struggle on, you're always going <coughs> to get a, a, a huge difference in growth in that area of the lawn than you will in for the rest of the beach hedge. So the rest of the beach hedge will be growing away quite happily and that the other area will, will constantly be getting... You'll have this battle between the plants kind of been stunted and not growing properly, um, you know. So my my first piece of advice is to do something about the drainage. Try and drain that water away. Either put in a land drain, put in a a, a pit, and fill it with with stone that'll take the water away from that that area. Mm. Or else dig out the beach, and raise the area, raise the soil level in that area, uh, or maybe a combination of both. Mm. But if you don't address the water logging, you're going to have the problem with beach okay. because the beach suffers from very little problems. Water. It's extremely frost hardy. Yeah. Uh, it'll tolerate a, you know, a reasonable amount of, of wind. It suffers from very few pests and diseases. And it's a tough, good, hardy hedge. It's one I'd certainly highly recommend. So deal with the, with the water logging situation and the beech will grow for you. Remember the beech doesn't come into leaf until the first week of May. 
So people often panic thinking it's not right. growing, there's nothing, no sign of any bud. It's totally dormant until the last week of April, the first week of May, depending on the weather. So it looks, it can look dead and look unsightly until that period, until it actually starts coming into grow. But certainly where you've got water logging, that's a big problem with beach. And beach just won't suffer that. Okay. It won't tolerate that, that wet conditions. Uh, very few plants will, uh, you know, very yes, few hedging yeah. plants will. So I would address that, that area first and foremost. And... Um, Double planting of the hedge was an excellent idea. That's a really good way to plant mm. beech uh, because it, it, it fills in an awful lot better. You get a tighter, fuller hedge. So that was the right thing to do. So really, my piece, of, my advice is deal with the water logging and I think you'll have no problem. You know, With 400, of course, you're going you're gonna to get a handful. Yeah. But for a quarter of the plants it's to fail is a huge... That's, yeah. it, it, that's a, you know, there's a big significant factor there. And I suppose maybe if, if, if they have <coughs> water logging in one section, is that the section where the plants are failing specifically? That's, that's my guess. Yeah, because if that guess. is the case, then it probably is the water issue. Oh, it is, definitely. Yeah. I, mean, you know, I mean, you know, I've seen that on umpteen times where you, you will plant a long line of beach, you'll have a wet area for, for a couple of metres, and that's the area where the beach will either die or will continue to struggle. The, the, the hedge will flourish on either side of it. So without addressing that area, you're going to have this problem. And it's going to be a continual problem. The plants may come into the, this year, they might start to grow, but it's always going to keep them back. Okay. Okay. Now, um, we, we touched on cabbages as being a good uh, a good a good vegetable to sow in the raised beds there. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody's wondering, would you be able to suggest some different kinds of cabbages, varieties that they can grow to have a selection of types and flavours this summer? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't realise there was that many flavours uh, of cabbage. Well, but can, I, can, can they grow them from seed or is it too early for plants? No, no. The plants are available at the moment. The plants for most vegetable yeah. plants, lettuce, cauliflowers, broccoli... Brussels sprouts and, and cabbages are all available for planting yeah. now and they are frost hardy so don't worry about how, but planting them out so and I would generally recommend a bit of both plant some seed at this time of year you can sow it indoors you can sow it out of doors um, but also uh, sow some plants with them as well so that you've got cabbage coming on at different stages Varieties I'd recommend. Hispe I mentioned already, mm-hmm. which is a very fast maturing pointed cabbage, a beautiful cabbage with bacon. Bacon and cabbage, Hispe is the one yum. to grow. Really, it's a fast maturing one. Plant it now, it'll be ready in six weeks' time. Um, another favourite of mine, well, Greyhound is a, an old traditional variety, mm. particularly our older gardeners and listeners will know that variety. Again, a good fast maturing one. Um, there's another very good one called Mini Coal, which is a, a small round headed. Uh, cabbage variety you sow it from seed at this time of year but the beauty of mini coal is that it doesn't run to seed so once it matures and forms a nice head it actually sits there waiting for you to come along and cut it okay. and that's the problem I suppose with a lot of cabbages is that the, you know how many cabbage are you going to eat in a month yeah. and by planting 10 or 12 <laughs> they tend to go to seed very quickly yeah. that variety mini coal is actually quite a neat compact variety you sow it from seed now you'll be cutting it about the middle of June the first week of July but it will actually sit there fully formed for up to a month maybe up to six weeks before it actually goes over mm. so it's a, it's a quite a good variety it's one I'd recommend to um, to sow at this time of year red cabbage of course Yes. Again, yeah. if you want flavour, if you want something different. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, the plants aren't just available yet. They'll be available in about two weeks' time. But certainly the seed of um, of, of um, red cabbage is available now. And again, very it's slower growing than the traditional cabbages. But again, very good for late July, August period. So April, 
uh, sorry, the the Hispe Greyhound. There's a good variety called April as well. Okay. The cabbage. Uh, Offer Offerham of Spring is another really good variety. There's lots of, right. of varieties. Go to your lo- local garden centre. They'll have the seeds available. They'll have the plants available this time of year as well. And off you go. Yeah, start getting them in. Do if you're putting out plants, do keep an eye on the slugs because they're very. I don't know. Did you notice or did listeners notice the amount of frogs that were around on was it Tuesday? Whenever, whatever night we, the rain started. There was a deluge of frogs. I think it started around Tuesday. Tuesday night yeah. or Wednesday night. I, d- I have to be honest, I there didn't know, but there there was uh, a, I wasn't because really out the, walking the way I should have been. Because of the wet weather, there were, yeah. there were and, and this time of year, of course, they're breeding, uh, but there was a huge amount of them um, out that particular evening, which was telling me that they were hybrid, they were waiting for that little yeah. drop of rain. The slugs are doing the same thing, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> and you get... That, that to them is like a sunny day to exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> they're out at this time of year. Yeah. So if you are putting out uh, vegetable plants or any tender plants or you've got your hostas beginning to peep through the soil um, or even around your rubber patch, do consider maybe a a small application of um, some slug control because they they are in abundance. Now it's great to see the frogs out because they'll hoover up some of your slugs. Oh okay, good. I was going to say, the frogs aren't going to eat the vegetables, are they? No, but but the the slugs will come out with this kind of damp weather you're going to get the slug activity. They've been very dormant for the last three weeks, like, like our friends the frogs, but they're going to be out. So keep an eye on some tender plants. Okay. Now, somebody's wondering what other plants could would, would complement a cornelian cherry, which is in full flower It is now. in flower at the moment. Well, if you, again, you remember with the cherries that they're flowering the springtime and then they tend to be um, uninteresting for the rest of, of, of the summer period. So yeah. maybe consider some late spring, early summer flowering uh, trees. So I would think of things like the malice family, which are the crabapple family, great to plant this time of year. They flower April, late March, April period, and then the form their fruits from August, September on. So they've got really, and some of the Malice family have lovely red foliage as well. So they're something to consider. Um, Sorbus aria lutescence, which is the white beam, is going to be coming into leaf in the next three to four weeks. Got a beautiful silver leaves, white flowers, red berries in the autumn. It would certainly complement the cherries. Um, Laburnum, Laburnum vossii, mm-hmm. which in particular, which doesn't produce the seed, so it's it's safe. It's the safest variety to plant. That's the golden rain mm-hmm. tree with the long panicles of yellow yeah. flowers, which will be flowering April May. And they're yeah, they're beautiful. Lovely. Some of the maples then for foliage color. So, and I often think that the flowering trees are beautiful, but they last for only whatever three or four weeks. The foliage trees like. Acetramondii, Crimson King, Leopoldii, which are grown for their foliage, their leaf colour, come into leaf in March and carry their leaf colour right through till October, November. So you're getting the whole summer of foliage colour and they look really well. And Liquid Amber that I mentioned at the top of the programme, beautiful tree, easy to grow, lovely autumn colour and just a a nice stately tree as well. And Silver Birch, Betulogiacum Montii, any of those would be ideal. So look for trees that give both foliage, flower, maybe some berry colour to continue the to give the colour right through to yeah because the, cher- the cherries are fab but Beautiful. they are but they are short lived and are. you're right it is just a tree with some leaves at the end of the flowering well it can they can be yeah. some of them have nice autumn yeah. colour as well and they're lovely at this time of year to kind of signal the spring well, but, yes, but yeah. think about you yeah. know the couple of months after that yeah. Now, somebody's wondering, what should they do with unplanted narcissus bulbs? They're beginning to sprout. Can they do anything with yeah, them? Yeah, the, the trouble with <clears> them, tr- and this is, this is typical, they say to me that, I don't know, 50 or 60% of bulbs ever purchased or never planted. Right, so good, great good intentions. Inten- great intentions. And seed is the same, people buying packs of seeds. Yeah. But the trouble with, with it's not that the trouble, but the, the problem with the um, narcissi is that the embryo, the flower embryo, the flowers that you see in flower at the moment 
are actually in the bulb when you buy them. And if they're not planted within certainly six or eight weeks after purchasing, that embryo or flower bud dies. So what I'm saying really is you can plant those bulbs, certainly they will grow, but you'll get very few if no flowers at all. So worst case scenario, just take take the bag of bulbs, plant them out into the garden. You'll get some green foliage this year. Uh, my guess is you'll get no flowers, but this time next year, they'll, they'll come flowers. back into flower. Okay. Now, somebody's wondering, can you tell us something about artichokes? Are they okay to grow in Mayo? They are. They actually love, they love our west of Ireland. There are two, there are two types of artichoke. Jerusalem artichoke, mm-hmm. which is related to the sunflower plant, believe it or not. It's got oh, really? yellow flowers, yeah. And you eat the root of Jer- Jerusalem yeah, artichoke. Yeah. So it's like, um, it's like a parsnip. Mm. Uh, you dig up the root in September, October sort of period. Um, and the root can be used in, you, you can use it like any vegetable, raw, you can eat it raw, you can eat it mixed through potato or whatever. So very easy to grow. You buy the root at this time of year, you plant it in the ground, it kicks into growth, it comes into flower in June and July, and then you, you dig up the, the roots in the autumn. The other artichoke is the globe artichoke, which mm-hmm. you're eating the fleshy flower. It's in the thistle family. And you know how the thistles in the field produce that bulbous uh, kind of a, a large flower bud before they come into bloom. Uh, the globe artichoke produces that as well. And you're eating that fleshy, you're eating like like broccoli, you're eating the undeveloped flower in with globe artichoke. So again, that's available as a plant. You plant in the garden at this time of year, comes into growth and starts, bef- the flower bud is formed around July, August, and that's when you harvest it. So both are very easy to grow, ideal for growing in the west of Ireland. And now is a good time to be planting them. And both are actually quite attractive plants if you never harvest them for their for their uh, produce, they're they're actually quite nice plants to grow. Okay, somebody's lilies kind of drooped after the frosty weather last week. Will they be okay? Yeah, they should be fine. I mean, there may be a bit of scorch, scorching on on the foliage, um, or I'd say, but probably the lily they're talking about is maybe the arum lily, the white lily, which is herbaceous by nature, dies back at the end of the year, comes into growth, and again with a bit of good weather, it would have come into growth a, a tad early this year. Frost will burn it back as it would hydrangeas, so don't worry about it; it'll reshoot again. Give it a little bit of fertilizer, a little bit of. Um, shrub feed and that'll kick it back into growth and it'll be perfectly okay. okay. It's just a bit of scorching on that un- early growth that has come on. Lovely. Uh, <coughs> now I know we touched on garlic last week but the, there's lots of interest in that for some reason at the moment. Uh, the name of a good mild garlic, would you know that? Well, th- there's actually one that's sold as mild garlic. Right. It's um, sold by tailors, the tailor bulb. So if you go in, you'll see it on the packet. It's it's simply called mild garlic and get that one. Split up the clothes. We talked about the, I think, how to plant it last mm. week. So it's a good time to plant garlic in the gar- in the garden. Great stuff. Um, now, it's loads of questions on the moss, but we might just address that at the end. People can log on to your website, of course, and get the information regarding the, fa- the Osmo. And the yeah, the fact sheet, if, if you're interested in, in, in particularly lawn moss, well, I have a fact sheet on the Garden Centre website, which is gardencentre.ie. Um, it's on the front page in the bottom left-hand panel. Just print it off. It'll tell you exactly what to do, bring you through the steps of how to do it. Okay, and just on that Osmo, is that available everywhere or there's a guy, somebody was looking, wondering about Williamstown area, will you have it obviously? We, we, we have it and we have it in, if, if our Galway Centre will have yeah. it um, or Sligo Centre and Castle Bar yeah we have it in all, on all, all our stores Okay, what are the best trees to plant in a very wet part of the garden? Seems to be a recurring well I suppose, understandably so at the moment. Probably every garden is, uh, is there anything <laughs> that will thrive in wet conditions? Yeah, there are a couple of good plants mm. um, 
And think think naturally what grows in, in wet conditions, willows, and there's many, many different of course, varieties, yes. will, varieties of willows, quite some, really some spectacular um, ornamental varieties. Alders do very well. There's a golden alder, which is quite attractive. It's got golden stems and golden leaves. Um, so they will actually, both of those will grow with their feet in water. Uh, if, it's, if it's heavy, but not waterlogged, then consider silver birch, which again will, will tolerate quite damp um, moist conditions and do very well. So for me, the willows are probably the best and there's quite a number of varieties you can choose. Alders as well do extremely well. Hazel will do well in, in wet conditions and silver birch with the four top moisture-loving okay. trees. Okay. And they'll help to dry up the soil as well. Okay, last question I think well. of the morning um, and it relates to Daffodils, and I've just lost it. Apologies. Well, give me another one. So. Daff- no, daffodils, lots of green stems, no buds, no flowers. What's well, the that's, problem? Look at, hey, we get that question yeah. every year. Um, so the trouble with, with daffodils is, I suppose, people, once they go out of flower, people they lose favour with them and they tend to trim them back too early. So anything that distru- d- d- that damages the the uh, growing of the daffodil after flowering sets it back for the following year. So as a rule of thumb, you leave the daffodils alone for six weeks after flowering. So once the blooms fade, you leave them alone. If anything, what you do is you feed them. You put on a couple of liquid feeds to build up the bulb for the following year because that's exactly what's happening. The plant is producing new growth. It's swelling up the bulb for next year. And when it dies back then in June, the bulb is ripe and ready to to flower the following spring. So you need to feed the daffodils, um, look after them, don't cut them back six weeks before flowering. The other problem is if they get overcrowded, if they're old clumps of daffodils and they've just got too thick, too heavy, Mm. they haven't got enough room. And again, now is a great time. Once the flowers go off them, it's a great time to dig up daffodil clumps and replant them in other areas of the garden. So if you want to propagate your daffodils and rejuvenate them, now is a great time or certainly over the next two weeks to dig them up, split them up, plant them in new areas of the garden, give them a couple of uh, liquid feeds and that'll get them perking up for next year. And on that note, we're going to conclude for this morning. All right, Deirdre. Thank you very much, Porik. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back again next Saturday. Saturday, yeah, yeah, absolutely. After the news at nine. Uh, Thanks for all of your questions. Apologies if we didn't quite uh, get to them this morning, Uh, but we will hang on and uh, hopefully uh, address some of those again for you on the programme next week. Uh, Stand by. Michael Neary is up after the news at 10 o'clock. I'll talk to you again next Saturday morning, just after 7. Until then, have yourselves a very good weekend.